Welcome to the Real Estate Secrets Podcast for healthcare professionals, hosted by Austin Hare and Nathan Palmer, who together have over two decades of real estate knowledge and investing. This show is about sharing lessons in commercial real estate that were learned from trial and error and working directly with CEOs of billion-dollar healthcare organizations. Our mission is to teach the insider strategies used by the big guys to everyday healthcare operators in order to get access to the best real estate at the best prices. All right, so welcome back to another episode with some education. I'm Austin here. This is Nate Palmer. And the goal today, we just want to educate you guys on how to maximize your ROI. So especially as a, a doctor, you know, it's going to play in a little bit differently how you decide to invest your money, how you decide to buy real estate and other places that you could spend your money on. So uh, we just want to go through, um, Nate, can you kind of give us like, a high-level overview of one example of what you could do in investing in your own real estate um, as a doctor. Kind of like what's what's the thousand-foot overview, the general premise? Yeah, so um, really, really good question, and it deserves a lot more time than than we're going to spend on it today. You know, the whole concept I think of of leasing versus buying is that which is that kind of what we're talking about? Yeah, like wh- when do you decide? You know, what what's if you decide that you want to make a purchase, right? You decide, mm-hmm. okay, like I I really want to explore this option. Um, how would you like what would be the best kind of way to to go about that and then we can get more detailed um as yeah so so the whole i think the whole concept is um you really have to treat it as is is an entirely separate business um uh outside of your practice so you have your practice you're operating medical entity and then you've got the idea of a real estate investment and um you know i guess i guess it's my opinion and i guess maybe it's derived from Watching a number of the national <clears throat> retailers and, and kind of healthcare retail providers, but you know, usually it's not common long term to to own you know the physical real estate you occupy. Um, there's a lot of caveats to that. There's a lot of unique circumstances um, that would be difficult to disclaimer them all, but but. Um, commonly, that's the theme: is hey, we, you know, we don't want both risk buckets where. Uh, our business is also what generates the value in the real estate through the income. So, um, you know, that is kind of the broad picture. I, I think when you get a little more detailed, you know, there are ways to participate uh, in that in some capacity, um, either through some kind of uh, partnership, joint venture, or, or maybe short-term kind of development play where where you do take title and own the property for a short period to get it uh, redeveloped or, or built, uh, open your business, and then maybe exit on a long-term lease. There's several components of development and long-term real estate ownership. Each of them have their own uh, pros and cons and, and, and value coefficients. So, you know, there are, there are several examples and groups who who acknowledge the fact that their lease brings the value to the buildings and therefore they want to participate in uh, in some of the value they create. Therefore, maybe on a short-term basis, they, they acquire or develop their sites. And then when they open, they go sell those on a lease back and, and they benefit from some of the development and the value their lease adds. Um, obviously, this is a, a totally separate equation if if... Uh, or I guess the context I was just giving is really siloed in the idea of a, a single tenant building 
you know, we have a number of clients and there are a number of operators who um, maybe would buy and build six or 8,000 feet, put their dental practice or their urgent care in uh, 3,000 feet, and then lease the balance of that to a Starbucks, a, a whoever, a haircut place. And, okay. and those have different risk reward benefits. So, you know, maybe there's options there that, that do make sense. Okay. Yeah. So just to recap, you know, kind of what you're saying is that the, the best way to maximize your ROI would be to buy a location or building with or without tenants, lease that to yourself, and then as quick as possible, sell that building. Yeah, I think I think the um, maybe we talked about it before, but I think the I think ultimately the best ROI is keeping as much capital as possible in your business if you're a multi-unit operator. So the idea is just hey, you know, in some capacity, can we participate in in the real estate uh, business and value that's being created through um, through our real estate and our our growth efforts, but. But long term, you know, the idea is to try to conserve and keep most of your capital in in your operation. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, we talked about that in previous podcasts. But essentially, a lot of times you you can get about a ten percent ROI in real estate if you hold your investment. Versus when you are operating your business, I mean, you could get thirty percent return on your money. And so it's just it's going to be a math equation. So um, in this, you know, for the sake of this podcast, we're going to go along with the idea that you've decided that you want to buy land. So given this concept, like what are some of the things that as a doctor or healthcare provider or healthcare operator, um, what what should you be looking for in terms of like, okay, should I buy this building versus should we buy an empty pad of land? Yeah, good question. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunately, it's not as simple as, uh, yeah, always do this or always do that. Obviously, every site is going to have different characteristics or uh, components related to uh, what what we maybe use right. the acronym. Uh, it's called VAST, Visibility, Access, Signage, Traffic, and and I guess if you assume both pieces you're looking at have equal characteristics in those categories, um, then then you'd really just be trying to understand. Hey, you know, if I'm buying an existing bank building to retrofit or whatever the case may be. Like what is the cost or value of that versus the cost of the land? And knowing that if I buy land, all of the site engineering that's got to be done to it to grade it, to get utilities, any maybe off offsite improvements that need uh, done for our building to be there, uh, putting all the infrastructure right. in, getting your parking and, and no, that's a good there. that's a good point. So let's talk about that for a second because I think that a lot of people have the tendency to say, okay, you know, here's an empty pad of land, it's going for this price, and then. Here is a building that it's going for this price, and you might just kind of rough estimate what's it going to cost to build out, but or, or add that building to it. But I don't think most people understand that you have to do a lot of work just getting the site ready for development before you actually put the building on the site. So, do you have any sort of rules of thumb for about how much you can expect to spend, like what percentage, you know, in uh, grading the land and doing the soil tests and and getting the plumbing and the sewage and the you know any, uh, just getting the spot ready in order to put a structure on there. Yeah, uh, great question and, and another question that deserves more time. You know, there there's a lot of variance in this. Um, you know, for many of my colleagues and developers, uh, they would tell you the trick of real estate development is the land. Uh, and it's, it's required improvements to just be able to physically build a building because once you start 
to go vertical on a structure, uh, it's very predictable what your costs are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the tricky part with land is um, when, when you acquire it, you'll do enough due diligence to know your obvious things, where the utilities are, what easements or what type of variance you may need. And, and you'll have a, a budget or an idea. You'll do some geotechnical work to understand you should be able to build there without any major issues. Um, so hopefully before you acquire the site, you have a, a really good spectrum of, of the work required, but it could be as, as simple you know, there are lots that are available that are part of bigger shopping centers where they've already kind of, uh, the land's been graded, utilities have already been brought to the site. Um, you know, they're, they're what we would maybe call pad ready. Uh, and then there are sites where you know, it's still a forest and you got to go in and and get rid of all the trees and, and grade and compact the site, figure out where the utilities are, um, deal with any... Um, you know, we had an issue with some bad soils, a project a couple years ago, you know, we had to scrape several feet of dirt out of there and bring new fill dirt in. I mean, you know, when mm-hmm. you talk about removing uh, three or four feet of dirt on 30,000 feet of land, it's, it's, it's pretty dramatically. Um, what was the cost on that? Yeah, I don't remember specifically for that line item what it was, but it was expensive, compounded with some other things, or, or even if you have... You know, we, we looked at a couple projects in Colorado because of the soil issues they have there. You know, we had to look at doing pilings all the way down to, uh, you know, to really foundation the building. So, so it can be really simple and easy and straightforward. It can be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. So, so that's where a lot of the trick is in development. A, a pretty good rule of thumb, assuming it's not an overly complicated pad, is is usually about fifty to sixty dollars. Uh, per the size of the building you're going to build, uh, that we would kind of vary on a rough sketch initially budget for kind of the site work and the paving, curbing and all that. But, so, um, but that can, that could range wildly. Okay. So I think, you know, for the most part, I, I don't think there's gonna be a whole lot of people going to be driving by forest <laughs> wanting to uh, cut it down. But there are a lot of cases where you see a pad of land that's already been cleared out uh, there just might not be any, it might be flat, and there might not be anything else added to it. So like if you are looking at 30,000 square feet, 40,000 square feet, you know, something typical where we're going to get a 5,000 to 8,000 square foot building, um, what would be the cost that you would, like, is there a certain percentage of cost just to get it ready in order, like, so we're looking at 30,000 square feet, that land cost alone for round number sake just cost a million bucks. Is there a certain amount, like a percentage that you can expect to budget for to get it ready in order to start building vertically? Yeah, so um, so a million dollars for, you know, three-fourths of an acre is, is pretty expensive. But, <laughs> but that, that aside, um, uh, like I said, if, if it's if it's not a forest, if it looks pretty uh, normal, you know, we would, if, and if we're going to build 5,000 feet on there, we would probably just budget sixty dollars a foot on the five thousand feet, so about three hundred thousand dollars is is okay. kind of a just to get basic it ready number. to build on. Yeah. Okay. No, that's good. And so. that's no complications, no major issues, no, you know, we, you know, also, mm-hmm. also, you know, big cost in a lot of these sites. I forgot to mention is is any retention issues, right? So if the if the pads got to self retain and a pod's got a pond's got to be engineered and built on site, or if uh, or, or if it ties into a different sewage system, you know, for the balance of some kind of shopping center where all the water is held somewhere else. So. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think the point, the takeaway is that 
the, you don't want to just look at it as a, okay, this is the price for the cost of land and this is the cost per square foot that it costs to build right now in whatever time frame you're looking at, whatever um, region of the country that you're looking at, because there's other things that you have to add in there. And so some of the metrics that you gave, I think are gonna be really helpful for people in deciding whether to do these two things. Now, generally, uh, would you say that it's a good idea to always look for an existing building that is unoccupied before you start to build your own? Yeah, um, it, it's a great question. Um, uh, you know, obviously, the the most expensive real estate is usually when it's brand new and built, and you customize it and build it your way. It, it's common, not hundred percent of the time, but it's eighty to ninety percent of the time. You could expect that if you see an empty, vacant building, it should be cheaper than replacement cost. Um, the The question is really: is the existing building built in a satisfactory manner for me to reuse or how much work do I have to put into it to basically get the shell that I want. So, you know, a good example, we're working on a project for a healthcare operator in Jacksonville where um, the building we're looking at is 11,000 feet. Our prototype's 11,000 feet, but because of the dimensions of the existing building, um, and it's a newer building, uh, but the dimensions of the building aren't, cl aren't really close to ideal. Uh, for our prototype as well as the um, the building the way it was built uh, and its roof infrastructure um, it was it was built in a cost-effective manner so they've got all the HV kind of coordinated on one side of the building where our user needs it spread out for their use so so you know there's an example where um, for that for our specific user even though that building's sitting there today in almost the exact same size that we need even though dimensions are off a little bit we're gonna have to do so much work to reconstruct that building that you know we're, we're looking at just scraping it and starting over because the cost to to modify it to get what we need may exceed um, you know, just scraping and building what we need from the ground up. So, so as a healthcare operator, uh, how can you avoid that? Are you just, it sounds like what you're saying is make sure, like know the, the use of it beforehand, compare it to where you're currently at or, you know, existing practices are at and just m making sure that it's pretty close to the size, of the dimensions that you need. Cause otherwise you might end up having to scrape the whole building. Yeah, but potentially, you know, or or maybe maybe you can live with the size and dimensions, but uh, you know, um, maybe think of it in the context of our lease summit building, right? I mean, you have a building that we're converting that um, was formerly a bank, but now to put the retailers we're putting in there, you know, we've got to redo the facade, we've got to modify the building in some format, and uh, and you just have to balance, you know, the costs and the improvements you're going to make to the building versus the cost of of buying land and um, just starting over. Right, and so now let's say uh, we've kind of determined the areas we want to go to. We're looking at a couple different properties because uh, there are there are really two options um, at that stage when you're looking at buying. You can either buy a single standalone unit just for your practice, your operation. And the other option would be if you buy a larger building that's got multiple tenants, maybe it has the room for two tenants or three tenants. Um, can you just talk a little bit about how having other, because it, you know, on the surface, it sounds like, okay, I've got this building. It's going to, I mean, I'm going to have to buy the land. I'm going to have to pay a lot for the building. I might as well 
divvy that up into other tenants and that's extra income for me. And so on the surface, it sounds like, you know, that's almost not quite free money because there's a little bit of cost, but the amount of money that you make is, you know, proportional or rather disproportionate to the amount of cost that you're going to have to build out those units for the extra tenants or buy the building for the extra tenants. But, um, you know, it's not always going to be the best decision, the best ROI on your money. So can you talk about a little bit how the other tenants could affect the ROI on your investment? Yeah, so um, a great question also deserves much more time. You know, there, there are pros and cons to, to either scenario. Um, you know, maybe the simplest version, thinking comparing a multi-tenant ver- building versus a single-tenant building, when you're the owner and you're the main tenant, you know, the cap rates are gonna be different, right? So the, the value of the building um, from a from a strict cap rate perspective should be less um, if you're just signing the same lease uh, for, for a single tenant building as you are a multi-tenant building, right? More tenants, more risk is kind of the, the reason there. Um, so that's one piece that kind of benefits the single tenant option is ultimately the cap rate you're going to be able to sell for should be lower. Um, the option or the benefit of going multi-tenant is you have the the ability to spread your fixed costs over more square footage, right? So if you have the same, if the example you shared earlier, we have the same million dollar site, uh, we have a few hundred thousand dollars of site work, we got another couple hundred thousand dollars in development fees and um, consultants and all that. So if you have a million five and you're going to spread that e- either over a a 4,000 square foot single tenant building or a 8,000 square foot multi-tenant building, you're able to kind of like you said, it's, di- it's disproportionate to where, you know, ultimately the, the rent that will be associated, um, based on that specific cost, right? Because the, if you decide to build 4,000 feet or 8,000 feet, your vertical improvements are variable, right? You're going to spend a hundred to $120 a foot on your shell, whether you build 4,000 feet or 8,000 feet, right? So it's really, it's really the ability, at least for ground up, your your site costs and your uh, development costs and your site work, spreading that over a larger GLA. Or if you're buying an existing building, you know, uh, you know, again, just spreading those costs over yeah. over a larger building and, and reducing the rent. So, so a good example, we we looked at a project last week. Uh, it's a little oversized pad for what our core client needs for the site. It's like an acre and, and a fourth or an acre and a quarter or something like that. That's fine. Acre and a fourth and acre and a quarter are the same thing. <laughs> it's right around an acre and a quarter, acre and a third. But at any rate, um, uh, they only need 3,500 square feet. So if we buy, and it's an expensive pad. It's a last pad in front of a Publix. And, and so if we buy the pad and do the single tenant building, um, even though the exit cap rate will be lower because it's single tenant because of the cost, the rent's going to be a lot higher, right? Like a base rent in the $40 a foot range. Um, if we looked at doubling the size of that building to 7,000 feet, it took the rent all the way down to like a $27 a foot number. So, um, you know, it's just something you have to look at. It, it's obviously, even though, you know, we're talking about specific variables, it still increases the overall project costs, you know, because you're, you're going to build another larger building, you're going to have cost to acquire another tenant and commissions and legal fees, you're going to have um, uh, more risk and, and other factors, but um, but there are some pros and cons to to that. And, and you'll see several 
national operators who who have that model, who need those high-end sites that will acquire it to six or 8,000 square feet with the intention of putting their business only in maybe 3,000 or 4,000 of that and then use those other tenants to help offset you know the site costs. Yeah, the, the example that I like to use is an empty building might be worth a million and a half dollars. You put some tenants in there, now the building is worth two and a half million dollars. And if you put nationally accredited, top level, highly sought after tenants, the building could be worth 3.5 million or, or anywhere between three and 3.5 million. So the even though the rent does go up, the cap rate could go down if the quality of those tenants isn't extremely good. And so that's one of the things that I think you have to balance in healthcare is because generally, you know, you're looking at a cap rate of about 8%. And so if you were to, you know, buy a building, put yourself in there, and then sell that as an investment at an 8% cap rate, that you could get a decent return on your money versus if you make it a two tenant building and you just you, you bring someone in there just to fill the space and pay the rent but they have less good credit uh, and the cap rate for them is closer to 10% you know that could potentially offset the extra money that you spent um, you know doing that build out so um, that's just those are just it's not black and white it's just things to take into consideration so I like I would like to end with an example real life example obviously we don't have to give the details of the names or anything but can you just kind of go through um, what you did with the project with the doctor in terms of like from start to finish um, you know buy all the way to sell and then um, what the return on his money was um, yeah um, a, a good example we we do a couple of projects a year for this client. Um, uh, one of the more recent ones we acquired, uh, uh, he's a 3,500 square foot um, user. He's in the 15 to 20 unit range from a from a credit and cap rate standpoint. What would um, he, so what is his cap rate for uh, with those amount of uh, We sold locations. right around seven. Okay, so he's a 7% cap rate because he has 20 locations. So if you've got anywhere between one and 10 locations, you're probably going to be more about at an 8% cap rate. Yeah, pro- probably a probably a little higher than that even. Maybe not at eight, eight yeah. and a half. Yeah, I mean it would it, it would depend how long the lease is. Okay. You know how if, if the rent's reasonable to market. Okay, yeah. That, so just but, so everyone listening understands this in this case his cap rate was a seven percent, which is good. And if you're have less than twenty locations, like you have fifteen, uh, you might be looking at it eight and a half percent cap rate. Yeah, somewhere means. again. Okay. Several variables involved to help determine that, but but at any rate. Um, you know, one of the more recent ones we did, he bought three fourths of an acre for just over four hundred thousand. Um, between all the site work, the building, including his interior improvements, we were all in about a million six. Uh, we sold it uh, after sales costs for a little over two million dollars, and in about eight months' time, he uh, he netted about four hundred thousand dollars from from that project. Okay, so bought the land, developed it himself mm-hmm. put himself in there as a tenant yeah all in his costs were 1.6 you said just yeah right around a million six and in, within eight months he sold it for two million dollars yeah a little over two million but he after sales costs and commissions he net about two million okay um and so he i know he did this in cash but i mean even if you are looking at leveraging your money then it's still your expenses are slightly higher because you have to pay interest but your returns are a lot higher on your money too so 
I think that's important to kind of understand these numbers when you're deciding, okay, am I going to buy this? Am I gonna hold it forever? You know, some people wanna use it as a retirement, and I get it. But at the same time, if you're planning on growing your locations, then that's a great way, it's a great strategy to yeah. get get quick capital, get quick cash, and use that to reinvest in the business. Yeah, that's a, uh, when it works, it's good. <laughs> so those are, hopefully that was insightful for you guys. There is a lot of factors to go through, to be honest. Um, but hopefully you're taking notes and it just some good things to keep in the back of your mind when you are looking for the next location and what is going to make the difference between buying versus selling versus holding versus renting versus having additional tenants. So there's just, there's a lot of factors at play and we hope that we can provide some value and some insight for you guys. So, well, thanks for tuning in and uh, bye for now. So did you actually post that live, or do you record it and then the post it live? It's only in the group. Yeah, yeah, but it, but is it live, or is it recorded and then you edit it's, it and uh, then post, put it live? I will probably edit it for, try and edit it for YouTube. I was just thinking about that as we're, as we're physically doing it. Okay, I think for YouTube, I'll probably edit it.